This is a Liverpool Echo podcast on Anfield Plus, the home of your daily podcasts, bringing you the inside track from Liverpool FC. Hello and welcome to the Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Wheeler, and in today's show, we'll be looking ahead to Liverpool's game against Brighton on Saturday tea time. The Reds will be big favourites to make it three wins from three and continue their perfect start to the Premier League season. But despite their awful away form, Brighton proved last weekend what a decent side they are by beating a shambolic Manchester United at the Amex. So to get the lowdown on the Seagulls, I spoke to Brian Owen from the Argus newspaper in Brighton. You'll then hear highlights from the manager press conferences that took place at the end of the week. But as ever, we'll start our podcast preview by talking to our man in the know at Anfield. It's James Pearce. An Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Hi James, thanks for joining me to look ahead to the Brighton game uh, where Liverpool will look to make it three wins from three. But we t- before we talk about that match specifically, what have you made of the, the first two wins of the season? Very promising, yeah. I think, um, you know, I've not been surprised at how well Liverpool have, have performed because I think all the pointers in pre-season suggested that they were primed and, and ready to go. But you, you're never a hundred, you can never be 100% convinced just because you know there is a difference between friendlies and and getting into the into the real competitive stuff, but yeah, two two really contrasting performances as well. You know, an absolute demolition of West Ham, um, where Liverpool played you know brilliantly in patches, but didn't actually have to play that well to to swat aside a very average Hammers team. And then you know I think Monday night was always going to be a very different type of test down at Selhurst Park. You know, a real you know, it was always going to be a. You know, I think Klopp talked about needing to fight, and it it was always going to be a scrap with the way that Hodgson sets Palace up. They don't give much away, and they hadn't lost any game in the Premier League since Liverpool won there back in in March. Um, and it was everything you kind of expected it to be, but you know, it was you know, that felt like a real big win. You know, it's still obviously early days in the season, but to go down there and defend as well as they did, you know, obviously Van Dijk and Gomez have come in for a lot of praise, and rightly so. Um, and then you know they showed how how dangerous they are on the counter attack and although there were a few complaints obviously from the palace end about decisions that that went against them you know there was no doubt that liverpool fully deserved the win on the night and uh, yeah it's a nice contrast to a year ago where liverpool made a a very slow start and and pretty much allowed city to disappear over the horizon um, and a title challenge was never really on the agenda at least this time around Liverpool have uh, gone out the traps quick Do you think it's important to keep that up? Obviously, you know that's that's a, a pretty obvious question but given who the opposition is in City just look exactly the same Yeah, as I mean there's so little room for error, uh, margin for error isn't there? I think that's, you, know, you look at the way that, that City have started the season you look at the fixtures they've got coming up it's difficult to see them dropping points any time soon, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they came to Anfield um, with a hundred percent record still in intact, and, and Liverpool have to keep keep matching them every every step of the way. And there's no reason why Liverpool can't go into the international break with four wins out of four. I think obviously Brighton at home is is, is very winnable. You know, Liverpool absolutely outclassed Brighton home and away last season. Um, obviously, the one at home slightly different in the fact that obviously Brighton was safe Liverpool was still still looking to get over the line in terms of the top four um, but yeah it's it's Saturday you know is, is crucial that Liverpool approach it in, in in the right way and then then all lives then will be on going to Leicester and trying to ensure Liverpool go into the break because uh, you know when you think 
a year ago, I think Liverpool won three out of their first nine you know, in, in mid-October, um, sitting in mid-table. You know, if, they could, if they could win four out of four, they've, uh, they'd certainly give themselves a, a fighting chance of, of being, being part of this title race. Have you sensed it around the squad and the manager there's a real desire to, to build on last season and, and not slip up at the start of the season and continue this forward momentum? Yeah, I think I think there's definitely a feeling that they're better equipped to to challenge this time around. I think Klopp's touched upon it, and so have the players in terms of the the sheer depth of talent at Klopp's disposal. I think um, you know, I think I've just done Jan Mulby's column for for the Echo, and you know, he he talked about how he, he feels for the first time in a long time this is a Liverpool team you can really trust. He said, you know, for for so long you'd be going into games with kind of maybe two or three personnel out there where you'd be thinking you know he, he could well have a mistake in him you know that could be a weak link today um so, you know you just don't you don't feel that anymore and I think he's right I think that was epitomized the other night by the fact that you know Fabino a 40 million pound plus sign and didn't even get on the bench and and that, that depth will be will be vital not not I don't think in necessarily in the short term but you know in terms of maintaining a, a push because certainly you you go back to to, to last season and there were times where Klopp's options were depleted and he, he was very limited in terms of how he could mix things up and I think you know the the impact of new signings like Allison and, and Keita um, and obviously to a lesser degree Shakiri and, and Fabino has, has kind of raised the bar then you've obviously got the development of the young players um, you know that that has in, added to the depth as well and then just the, the sheer development in in other players that Klopp has inherited and and worked with, you know, none more so than someone like Joe Gomez, who, you know, if you went back a couple of weeks, someone would be saying, well, a lot of people were saying that, you know, that centre back option alongside Van Dijk was a concern uh, in the absence of Lovren, but Joe Gomez has, has has really stepped up and delivered. So, yeah, there is a a real buzz around the club at the moment. I think, um, but I think there's a there's a feeling that. You know, Liverpool have only done so far what they should have done. You know, they were two, two winnable games. They've they've got those. You know they've ticked those two boxes. But you know in in terms of what they can go on to achieve this season, there's there's certainly kind of uh, tougher tests to come. You touched on the squad depth there, and we'll be hearing on this podcast uh, audio from Jurgen Klopp's press conference. Do you think there's any chance he might freshen things up on on Saturday at all? Yeah, I think it would be a bit of a dilemma for him. I think obviously yeah we're speaking before Klopp's press conference in terms of. Uh, whether there's any any fresh issues that he's kind of uh, battling with, but I think probably the, the the one area you'd imagine if it if it just came down to to just seeking fresh legs, then you'd imagine the midfield because you know it was a an energy sapping contest against Palace, and you know, certainly someone like James Milner looked absolutely shattered when when he came off late on after the shift he's put in. Not that Milner would would welcome a break. Um, so you you kind of look at it and you think maybe would would he see this as a a game to to give Jordan Henderson a first start of the season, um, but you know aside from that you know I'd be surprised if he mixed it up you know you could, you could even say Fabino hasn't set the world alight so far um, you know, would would he benefit from a breather and potentially Sturridge leading the line but I don't know I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if if there aren't any fresh injury worries if he if if he stuck with what he had just just because it's working. And you know, and I think you know, Klopp said a few weeks ago that he was he was talking about the squad depth then, and he said, he he said, you know, if anyone is going to get upset before the international break, then I can't help them because he said, 
I think he was almost kind of alluding to it then that if things went well, you know, it would be a settled team and would only play him once a week. He he wouldn't just wouldn't have that need to to rotate, um, and that that depth would would come in, you know, certainly much more handy after the international break. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he how he approaches it. But yeah, I think I think he'd be loath to tinker with it too much just just because it's working. Certainly, imagine Sadio Mane will be starting on Saturday. He, he looks like he's really got the bit between the teeth at the start of the season and, and the back end of last season as well. Yeah, he's he has maintained really what what he uh, what he achieved in in the last few months of last season. I mean, it was it was a strange season for him last last year because um, you know he had some tough times along the way. Obviously, the red card against Man City. Um, you know, obviously the high profile miss against Everton, where Klopp at the time. Spoke about how that had, uh, you know, really dented his confidence levels, and you know he was down in the dumps for a few weeks. But yeah, he, f- he was he was a massive part of of the running, probably, arguably even more important than the most Salah in the last couple of months of the season. Obviously, his goal in the Champions League final made it twenty for the for the season. Um, and he, and yeah, he's and he started like an absolute train this time around. And there were some interesting comments from Klopp. Um, this week about how he said he he said he thinks the pennies dropped with Sadio in terms of he now realizes just how good he is. You know he said that that you know there were times where he almost doubted himself, but now he's seeing what he's able to achieve. You know not just a one off here or there, but consistently deliver at the absolute top level. And um, you know I think there's been so many positives for Liverpool in the last few weeks and months. You know what. Hopefully, one of the next ones will be Sadio Mane putting pen to paper on a on a new long term contract because uh, obviously Mo Salah and Fabinho have both done that in the last uh, four or five months, and you know that would that that's something Liverpool are very keen to get done. You know, and quite relaxed about it in terms of he's still got three years left on the deal he signed when he joined from Southampton in 2016. But um, yeah, I think I think Mane probably when you when you looked at it in terms of the front three last season, he probably had. You probably looked at him and thought he's probably got the biggest potential to increase, you know, his contribution, um, because you always felt with him there was so much more to come. Because it, when he when he was bang on it, he was almost unplayable, um, and we've seen that in the opening couple of weeks of this season. I think, obviously, Van Dijk and Liverpool's defensive resilience kind of bagged the headlines really the other night at Palace. But I think it was quite underrated how well he took that goal because. He had so much work to do when he latched on to that Salah pass, almost on the halfway line. I mean, Van Arnholt is no slouch, but the you know the, to outpace him with the ball and really intelligent the way he then cut across Van Arnholt, you know, who, who then couldn't couldn't touch him for fear of getting sent off or giving away a penalty. And then you know he was stumbling when he went past Wayne Hennessy, but you know kept his feet and kept his composure to to roll it in. So uh, yeah, Mane. Has, has has been a revelation in the early weeks of this season, and uh, you know if he if he continues like this, then uh, it, he may well be getting that main man tag back that uh, that he lost to Mo Salah last season. I'd say Brighton beware, but I think they're fully aware of Liverpool's uh, striking capabilities as we've seen last season. Have Liverpool seen the best of Brighton yet? Because we've seen last weekend what a good side they are by beating United, but last season Liverpool brushed them aside on two occasions. Yeah, do you know I think I think it's just I think Brighton just struggled to handle the the pace that Liverpool are able to play at at times. I think you know you look at United and you know United are obviously a lot more kind of pragmatic and and and, and dull really in terms yeah. of their general approach and you know I, I, 
United just don't have that ability to blitz teams that that Klopp has with the firepower at his disposal. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. We haven't seen the the best of Brighton. I think if you know, if you based it purely on the two games against them last season, you'd be scratching your head, wondering how on earth did Chris Hewton keep keep them up. But um, yeah, I mean, d- down at the the Amex was a was a strange game because you know I remember that day Liverpool had massive I- issues at centre-back and, you know, Jeannie Wijnaldum, who'd never played centre-back in his life, was playing as one of a, a three, three-man three back line. I think Emery Chan was one of the three centre-halves as well. Um, and Liverpool ended up winning 5-1, but uh, you look at the goals from that day and uh, so much of it was done on the counter-attack where, you know, they won the ball back. And, you know, Brighton, I think that, that that's the other thing with Brighton is they do try and play. They don't, they're not just one of those teams that will come and park the bus and, and try and cling on and, you know that does play into Liverpool's hands. I think when when they win the ball back and then they're able to hit them and utilize that space um, in behind them. Um, yeah, and I I think it could well be another another long afternoon for for Brighton. Um, you know, Chris Hewton's done a fantastic job down there, and you know, on limited resources to to keep them up. And but certainly even last season, although Liverpool didn't struggle at the Amex, it was it was Brighton's home form that kept them up. You know they 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 hardly returned anything on their travels, and uh, you know I, I certainly expect that kind of uh, barren runaway to continue this weekend. Yeah, just one final one. It really is Fortress Anfield now, isn't it? It won't be just Brighton coming here and leaving with the tails between the legs at the moment. Yeah, it's 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 you know arguably been one of the you know the the biggest achievements of Klopp's reign, the way way in which he has returned that that kind of fear factor attached to Anfield because. Um, you know, when you you rewind to when he first came in, you know Liverpool were a soft touch at home. I think you know players spoke about how they even found it intimidating themselves to play there because you know there was almost a sense of kind of here we go again when things started to go against them. You know, obviously you had a, a restless fan base um, who'd been on a downer since the title had slipped away from them, kind of what sixteen months, seventeen months before Klopp came in. Um, and he had a lot of work to do to not some you know obviously it's work to do with the squad in terms of improving it and improving the the quality of the football on display but also you know giving belief and hope to those fans that that they would you know that they would come into Anfield and they could make a real difference i think you know it was early on wasn't it in his liverpool reign when he talked about feeling very alone when fans were leaving early against against crystal palace i think the only reason fans leave early these days is because Liverpool might be three or four up, and they can <laughs> get they to can, the pub, yeah, yeah. Beat, some, beat the traffic or get to the pub without any fear of of missing anything particularly substantial. And um, yeah, I mean Liverpool went through the entire Premier League season last year without without losing at Anfield. You know, bar that horrendous FA Cup defeat to to West Brom, they would have been undefeated across the board at home. But um, but oh, it's you know it's obviously started off in in similar fashion with the the route of West Ham and. Um, yeah, I think that's a big thing now that you know fans see what Liverpool have done to teams there, and that they no longer have that have that belief that coming to Anfield is enjoy an enjoyable place to to play. I think now it's ninety minutes of of having to endure it and and be bombarded by Liverpool's array of attacking weapons, and uh, yeah, I, I I don't see Brighton having the having the tools to to halt that kind of. Uh, you know that that firepower on the weekend. You know it's um, you know Liverpool have, have, have flown out the traps in the in the first couple of the weeks of the season. 
And uh, you know, if they show the same attitude and application on Saturday, then uh, I expect them to win at a canter. An Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Liverpool have not lost a Premier League game at Anfield since April 2017, while Brighton have not won on the road in the Premier League since November last year. Surely then, it would be a straightforward victory for the Reds. Here's what Brian Owen, who covers Brighton for the Argus newspaper, had to say about the match, and much more else besides. An Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo. An Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Brian, thanks very much for joining me. I hope you're well and looking forward to the game on Saturday at Anfield, if if not the the kickoff time anyway. No, no, the kickoff is a little bit um, it's a little bit inconvenient, isn't it? But um, yeah, looking forward to it. I, mean, I enjoyed it coming up last that was on the Sunday, wasn't it? At the end of the season, it was quite a quite an experience. I've been to Anfield for quite a long time. It's changed a lot. So yeah, looking forward to it with a slight bit of trepidation for what might happen out on the pitch. Yeah, it's, again, we'll probably come on to Brighton's. Uh, Away record, but let's start on the positive. You, you, your boys must be coming to Anfield with a lot of confidence after that win over United. As as I was speaking to them before we press record, that a lot has been made about how how bad United were. But is that a bit unfair on Brighton and how well they played? I think so. I think I mean Brighton have been a lot more proactive, a lot more aggressive, intense in terms of their pressing, their energy. I spoke to their captain Bruno at a cricket match, funnily enough, during the summer, and he told me. Sort of not overly impressed, but how hard they've had to work in pre-season, how they've upped their um, intensity levels without the ball, and they did set about United, and they, they played pretty well. And it was a bit of a reaction as well to a really shocking performance at Watford on the opening day of the season. My only thing is, I think United's lower tempo almost plays into their hands. We've seen it at the end of last season, just before the trip to Anfield, actually, and again last uh, last Sunday. So. I don't know, but they did play well. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of very good performances, a lot of man of the match candidates. Yeah, and again, maybe we shouldn't be surprised. Certainly, the Amex, you know, as you mentioned, then yourself, Brighton beat United at the back end of the last season. And the home record record's pretty good, isn't it? You know, outside the top top clubs, I imagine it's one of the best in the Premier League. I think so. It was, eight, it was the eighth best last season statistically. Um, they had a couple of games late on in the season when they were on the brink of securing survival, and then they they blew it at home to. Um, Huddersfield and Leicester a couple of disappointing ones but they had a draw with Tottenham they beat um, Man United they had a very good win over Arsenal so um, yeah it's the away form which I think is probably going to come on to since the start of last November has been it must be amongst the worst I would have thought yeah there's not, not been a win since then if, if I'm right in terms of the Premier League that was a Swansea and that was a dire game as well <laughs> So, so why why is that the case? How come Brighton turn over Man United the Amex, survive pretty comfortably in the Premier League in the first season, but just can't seem to do it away? You know, I'm not sure. I mean, I suppose you could go. I mean, are, are they a little bit conservative away from home? Maybe they they have spoken about getting on the front foot a little bit more just before the season started. I sort of said to one of the players, Dale Stevens from up um, up your way, actually in the northwest. And he was saying we've got to be a bit more proactive. We've, we've got belief from last season. He thinks they played okay at times without getting the results, and they could take some confidence and belief from that. And so we've waited with Bailey Brett. He went up to Watford on the only day of the season, cautiously optimistic of seeing that, and they were shocking. Like I say, really poor. And when I say the word shocking, I mean people were shocked yeah. at how poor they were. There's been disappointments. I mean, they used to seeing the team lose away from home, but that was just passive. 
probably the best word for it. Yeah. Maybe they thought they were a little bit too comfortable, maybe we were all a bit, you know, comfortable thinking, oh yeah, Premier League, that's fine. And it was a long, long week after that Watford game, and that probably didn't do them any harm and wasn't great for, for Manchester United leading into that match you might have seen last Saturday, last Sunday. Yeah, well, obviously I follow yourself on Twitter and your colleague Andy Naylor and Brighton supporters on my Twitter timeline. You could see they were really upset with how they played at Watford. Is it also, not only because of the away record, is the, is the raised expectations surrounding the club this season, given what they did in the, the first season of the Premier League? Mm, probably, depends, probably depends which week you're talking. I mean, last week they were, I think everybody was very worried. Um, yeah, possibly, but not to a huge degree, I don't think. I think there's still a feeling that um, you know, stay up for starters. I mean, they were singing, can we play you every week to Man United <laughs> last Sunday? And I think it's still a case of, can we play you every season? That's still the, that's still the target for them. They made a lot of signings. So I think as well against Watford, there was disappointment that not more of the signings were thrown in. But Chris Hewton knows what he's doing. And in fact, before the United game, there was a lot of sticks for Hewton on like social media and what have you, that he hadn't put, made more changes, hadn't put more new players in. But he knew what he was doing. So, um, and new players have bit by bit come come in as we might move on to because of uh, unforeseen circumstances. So, there'll be two or three signings on the pitch at Anfield. Yeah, is is one of them one of the main players there? Uh, Dunk is he an injury doubt for the game on Saturday? I don't think there's any doubt. I think he's out ankle. Um, Bruno, the skipper, right back. He started the season at Watford. Went off after about twenty minutes of a hamstring. Um, so he was replaced, and the new signing Mon- Montoya played in his place against United. He'll play Hanfield. Lewis Dunk took over the armband, did his ankle was that 15 minutes or so, I think it was, against United. Tried to play on, he didn't. So Liam Balligan, who played in the World Cup for Nigeria, he came on the sub, did quite well. So he'll play Hanfield as well. But there's not a lot of um, central defensive cover now in the squad. Is that a concern against Liverpool's front three? We obviously Brighton seen the full force of them last season. Is was that even yeah. more of a concern? I think so. I mean, the one thing with Balogun, he, he played against some good players in the world. Cup. He's played in Germany. He's quite quick, quite mobile. Um, so we'll see. He's a bit of an unknown to Premier League terms, but he did okay against United. I mean, towards the end they had um, Lukaku and Fellaini up front, real sort of. Yeah. Twin Towers, quite a static sort of attack. Um, he, he was fairly comfortable against those. This is going to be, obviously, the, the uh, other extreme, which he's uh, spoken about and is fully aware of. And then you've got Montoya, who Liverpool were interested in in um, January 2015. Yeah. I spoke to him about that, and he's basically said, you know, it's very tempting, and there were phone calls, etc., made. But he just wanted to give one more crack at his boyhood team at Barcelona he had half a season left on on his contract so he wanted to stay there and give it a go so he'll make his first away appearance yeah. on Saturday and I was reading on the Argus website today. I didn't realise it at the time when I was doing a bit of research for this podcast that Brighton were, were linked with uh, Virgil van Dijk weren't they when he was still at Celtic a few years back that was that was Poirier that, oh, yeah. I think it was it before he even went to Celtic because you touched my memory here it was Gus Poirier who spotted him and that went on for quite a while. And I can't actually remember why he didn't come down there, but definitely Gus Boyer saw him as somebody he wanted to bring down. And Brighton would have been championship then, it must have been. Unless it wasn't hugely attractive. Um, one of the signings they've got now, actually, Jachenbach, they tried to sign when they were in the championship and he didn't want to come. Thought it wasn't quite the time to come over. And he's now come three years later. So he 
maybe come off the bench uh, at Anfield. So yeah, definitely Gus Boyer was the one who was who spotted Van Dijk a long time ago. Yeah, and actually, new signings. The club is coming even more attractive. Anyone who's been down to the Amex or seen the training ground where the academy is can see it's a, it's a club going places. But as you mentioned earlier, Chris Hutton's got a loyalty to, to some of the players who did so well last season. One of those, Glenn Murray, what a finish against United. How much of a, a revelation has he been back at, you know, at the club and what he did last season and the way he started this season? It's strange, really, because he's just done what he's always done. So in that term, it's not a revelation at all. But I think it's that he's managed to do it as the levels have gone up and up. You know, he's doing now Anfield against Man United, what he did at Withdean against, you know, Crew or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He's just so clever. It's just like watching a craftsman at work, sort of the centre-forward arts. And a lot of maybe you don't see on TV, but he just occupies people. He He's a nuisance. He brings players into play. Simple finishes, which look so simple, but there's an awful lot of good work going on off the ball while... Uh, while the ball's been out wide, so yeah, um, they have relied on him a little bit, haven't they? And he, he just, he just, he does keep producing. Definitely, see the main danger man for Liverpool at the weekend, would you say? Oh gosh, who's gonna, <laughs> who's gonna call Liverpool danger? Hard to, hard to think. I mean, if they can get him the chances, I don't remember him having any service uh, up there on um, in May. Um, Possibly one of the wide players, possibly Anthony Knockart, as he's up for it. He tends to be better at home than he, than he is away, but they've signed a record signing to compete for his place. He's been quite fired up this season, so possibly him, possibly the man I'm talking about, Jack and Bax off the bench. I think I, I'm struggling to see who's going to cause them too many problems, to be honest. I know when we spoke at the back end of last season that you'd been impressed by Liverpool, what you'd seen of them in, in the Champions League in particular. Do you think they can, can go one further this season and, and win silverware, maybe even the Premier League? Um, possibly. I mean, it, it, they were quite, obviously, very impressive to watch. And you see them on TV, but when you see the actual pace and tempo of it in person, it is it's something quite different. Um, they seem to have strengthened, obviously, in goal, centre-back. They seem to have made some good signings. I don't very possibly you just don't know what happened over, over a course of the season I think City have lost a couple of players and maybe going for the Champions League what, what I would say is coming up preparing to come up now it feels like coming up say in the 80s yeah. when it was you felt like it was a hiding to nothing sort of thing it did have that I'm not a supporter as such but you sort of hope they, they get by okay and you, you come up thinking well this could be you know, this could be very, very tough, which I'm not, I'm not sure was always the case in those intervening sort of 20 odd years at Liverpool. Probably end it there then, really. Can Brighton, can you see Brighton getting anything of points coming away from Anfield with a point this weekend? Um, no, but you never know. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't hugely optimistic against against United or despite the things that have said, but I think the, um, I think the tempo will, I hope from their sake that Montoya and Balogun, who aren't used to it, I hope they somebody tells them or they manage to adjust very quickly because uh, I think that is that sort of blip. even coming three days after going to Man City at the end of last season I think the sheer whirlwind sort of feel of the whole thing um, probably caught Brighton in the headlights a little bit I don't think it was a good idea to invite Liverpool to attack the cop in the first half although they thought they were being quite clever <laughs> so um, they might not do that this time but they might get a point you never know it's a, it's a, it's a strange game you don't know an Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 
Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp and his Brighton counterpart Chris Hewton spoke to the media before the game. We've got Klopp talking about freshening up his side, Dejan Lovren's fitness, Marathon man James Milner, Alisson starts a life in the Liverpool goal and the challenge Brighton will pose. And then you'll hear from Hewton on his side's win over Man United and the daunting trip to Anfield. An Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We will see. I think that's a, that's always must be always an option that we have. We had enough. We had enough sessions, so um, I don't think that it makes sense to to only to stick to a team only because we won. That's the most important thing. I don't know, but um, we have quality in the squad, and if um, there can, can be different reasons to change the lineup, so that's possible, of course. Um, what was the, the other? Ah, Dan, no, nothing. Yeah, he's coming closer. So, um, but he's not really around. Um, team training in the moment. I'm not 100% sure what he's doing today because we had the day before the game. So um, he will not be involved in that game. I'm pretty sure no chance for the Leicester game. And then hopefully after the international break, uh, he will be ready to go. That would be nice. That was actually the target from from the first day when he was in and we knew about his problems. Then we always thought, okay, if we can give him that time, if we come through that time, then uh, that would be cool. He's a very. I didn't work together with him. Since I worked together with him, I was always, I was always fine. Um, that was always good. And yes, he started in different positions. We played different systems. Then he played fullback. Now we all know. Uh, now he plays in a, in, a, in, a, in a midfield role. But we have the, all our players are influential on that. That's how it should be. And for Mili, his age for sure no issue. He's, a, he's an absolutely natural, skilled. Uh, boy, but he really is uh, such a sports guy. So he can do probably, probably each kind of sports he tries. He's good in. So that's an age is no problem. Thirty anyway. In all parts of life, with thirty-two, if you are in in, a, in any company in the world, they tell you, hey, wait a few years until you you can get the real job. And in football, it sounds like they're already close to retirement, but it's not too far away from the. But there are players they can play. Until 36, 37, 30, even 38, and of, because of his physical abilities, I'm pretty sure he's one of them. If he's lucky enough with injuries, what I wish him. So it's not, the, the end is not to see. So, and his desire to improve is, is exceptional. So, very, very good player. And if it's the best moment of his career, maybe I should better ask him um, than me because he was always part of his career. And I wasn't. He settled in from the first second. It was. It felt really familiar. That's that's the truth. But um, yeah, good player, very good player, uh, and really not only goalkeeper player as well. So that's uh, quite cool. Uh, gives us uh, a few more opportunities. That's cool as well. Uh, I like that, and um, yeah, hopefully it stays like that. Or so that's exactly how it is. It, it looks all good. It's, it's, we have this kind of Brazilian group now. So plus. Spanish with Alberto, so that I think that helps them as well, even when Alisson's English is quite good. Um, as for Vinius is, so that's that's really, that's cool, but um, no, very happy so far. Hopefully it stays like this. I, I really don't think that we should um, compare the, the last game of last season with this game, because Brighton um, saved the league, I'm not sure, the week before, two weeks before maybe, uh, and we had to fight for our lives, actually, so that makes different, and um, and that's so. Uh, at Brighton, that's too long ago, so I have no real idea more about that. But it's um, it's just a very good team, and I, I really respect a lot what Chris is doing there. 
Um, and it was not only the Man United game, um, but even in that game, when we used it, for, well, of course, for our analysis, it was impressive. Eh? It was really good, very good organised, um, on point. Of course, United was unlucky in one, two, three situations. That's clear. They had their chances to, to, to get a much better result than they had at the end. But um, I have a lot of respect for that, and so we are warned. So that's uh, we will be. We have to be awake. We have to be one hundred spot on. So we, we said that last week. So many positivity around here in the moment, and I like that. But at least we have to be. We have to be awake, and we have to. We have to really to be ready for work, and that's what we have to be in that game. So um, it's it's good, but we play a very good Brighton side. Um, in a, obviously, um, with a very good result um, last week. So it's all how it should be. Um, our crowd hopefully is on their toes, uh, will be on, the to on their toes, and so that's then a good, create a good atmosphere. We try our best to, to do that with the football we play, um, and we have to deliver a proper fight, and that's what we want. An Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think when you're playing against the 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 top six you know you are generally the 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 underdogs um, and, and probably yes probably we didn't get the credit I think that uh, we deserve but but I think that's that's normal you know I think with uh, I think with how we are now you know and the expectations and 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 how big you know the the big teams are and the coverage that goes with the big teams, I think it's it's perhaps normal. And sometimes, sometimes it's it's not a bad thing to just go under the radar a little bit. But it was a it was a very good performance and a performance that uh, certainly deserved the win. An away game at, at Liverpool, um, you know, they almost don't come any tougher than that. And we'll certainly need to show a lot of the qualities that we showed in in last week's performance. So I think what it has also done is it allows us to go to Liverpool with three points. You know, I think it's perhaps, you know, quite daunting if you you know, you've lost your first two games and your next game is is Liverpool. So I think it can it, it hopefully allow us to go there with a little bit more confidence, a little bit less pressure. Um, there isn't anybody that uh, that would expect us or see us winning in, in that game, and uh, I think we've got to approach the game in in a, in a manner that, uh, that that will allow us to get something. It goes without saying that you you we're we're up against a Liverpool team that were very very good last season, um, got to a Champions League final, and um, you know circumstances had been different. You know might have might have uh, even won it. Um, and that have recruited in the summer and recruited well. So we're looking at, for me, an improved squad. Um, we will have to defend well, you know, and that's for, for any team, I think, going to Anfield at this moment, with the quality and the pace that they've got, you know you will have to defend well. And um, that will be, I think, the basis of, of what, uh, what we will have to do and have good periods of the game ourselves. You know, what, what we have to be is a threat. If you are defending for 90 minutes, then there's only one outcome. Um, so we have to make sure that we, we are a threat ourselves and, and have good enough periods in this game. You've been listening to an Anfield Plus podcast on the LFC Echo app.